Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today uh, I'm going to be preaching on an entire book of the Bible. But before you get too worried, uh, it is actually uh, one of the shortest books of the Bible, so we won't be here for hours, I promise. In fact, it doesn't even have chapters. It's only 25 total verses. And it's easy to miss. I'll be honest. I skip over it all the time. It's usually only about one or two pages long, so it's easy just to, to flip past. It's, it's near the back of the New Testament. It's right before the book of Hebrews. And so you might ask yourself, well, is there something sermon-worthy in this book that has only 335 words in the original Greek? The shortest of all of Paul's epistles, his letters to the early Christians? Well, the answer is absolutely yes. Because in Philemon, we find a profound example of how our faith in Jesus impacts our lives, especially in our relationships with others. And specifically, we find a profound example of the way in which we are reconciled to others, the way that we show forgiveness and the way even our hostile enemies can become a beloved brother or sister in the faith. So to fully appreciate all of this and to understand why the Apostle Paul is writing to Philemon in the first place, we need to understand a little bit about what was going on. And, and I'd like us to put ourselves in Philemon's shoes for just a moment. Now Philemon was a businessman in the Roman Empire. And as was very common back then, he was also a slave owner. Now, this would have meant that Philemon was a wealthy guy living in the city of Colossae. We have a picture of it right there, uh, what it looks like today. And this would have been uh, a very wealthy and a busy city in the Roman Empire. Paul addresses Philemon as a beloved fellow worker which meant that Philemon was also very likely an important leader in the Christian church that Paul and others helped establish there. Now, the reason why Paul was writing to Philemon was because one of Philemon's former slaves, whose name was Onesimus, and he was not a Christian at the time, Onesimus was not a Christian, he ran away. But before running away, or perhaps the reason why he ran away, was because Onesimus wronged Philemon in some way. Perhaps he, he stole a, a large sum of money from Philemon. Paul later insinuates that there is a large debt that needs to be paid. So Philemon had every right in the Roman legal system to punish Onesimus as he saw fit, which could be quite severe, perhaps even deadly. Better, according to the law, better to have an example of what can happen to someone who steps out of line. All this to say, Philemon had every worldly and legal right to exact justice from Onesimus. And so if we put ourselves in Philemon's shoes for a moment, we might start to understand why he would feel outraged, why he would feel wronged, why he would feel that he would need to demand justice that justice should be carried out. After Onesimus ran away, for whatever reason, he sought out Paul, who was in prison for his faith at the time. We, we don't know why Onesimus went to Paul, whether it was because of Paul's general reputation or because of a previous friendship that they had, or just because Onesimus had nowhere else to go. 
But despite all that, it seems that the two grew quite close during their time together. In fact, it seems Paul even had a hand in bringing Onesimus to faith. Onesimus was now a Christian. Paul calls Onesimus his child in the faith, which is the way that Paul often referred to those he discipled. And he, Paul, became like Onesimus' father. But Paul knew that he couldn't keep Onesimus forever, even though he wanted to, not while things were still unresolved with Philemon. So he writes Philemon, and he tells him, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Paul says, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Onesimus, that name, it means useful. But Onesimus had proved himself to be absolutely useless to Philemon. But Paul uses this play on words in verse 11 when he says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful. He is indeed Onesimus to you and to me. So what exactly was Paul asking Philemon to do? Well, Paul was asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus, but not just forgive him. Paul writes, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And then listen to this. He says, so if you consider me your partner, Paul writes, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And then Paul leans heavily on his authority as an apostle, not only as Onesimus' father in the faith, but also Philemon's. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay Onesimus' debt to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Again, imagine yourself as Philemon, hearing all of this for the first time in the letter that Paul wrote. Here it was that Onesimus, the, the useless slave that stole your money and ran away and disrupted your entire household, you find out he's been with Paul this entire time, and now Paul, who no doubt would have been good for the money he promised to pay back, is actually making it clear to you that since Onesimus is now a brother in the faith, the expectation would not be retribution, but rather forgiveness of the debt entirely and forgiveness for Onesimus. Paul said back in verses 8 and 9, again, a little heavy-handed, but certainly wise. He says, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I thought this was kind of like a parent who is instructing their child and you know how it goes with parents. We, we seem to be giving children a choice when really it's quite clear. We're making it quite clear to them there is only one correct choice to make. So if you were in Philemon's shoes, how would you feel? 
Well, Philemon did technically have a choice. Here was his former slave standing before him, sent back by Paul, and he could either punish him like he had a legal right to do, or perhaps in maybe a half attempt at leniency, he would forgive him, but then put him right back to work. But you see, that's not what Paul was asking of him. Paul was asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus, to forgive the debt, and what's more, to receive him no longer as a slave, but as a fellow Christian, and then release him to help Paul in his ministry. So Philemon had a big choice to make. Would he demand what he was owed, what he deserved? Or would he show undeserved forgiveness and grace? I don't know about you, but I find it hard to say what I would have done in his shoes. Because, after all, it's not that hard to see that so often we find ourselves facing similar choices in our lives. Not with Philemon and Onesimus specifically, but, but really any time that someone wrongs us so horribly, or offends us so terribly, or sins against us so hurtfully, we do face a similar choice. And I know that that's happened to all of us. Think about the last time you we're facing this choice. Think about that rift that occurred between you and someone else. Or the time when emotions ran so high and it seemed that there was nothing the other person could ever say or do that would make up for what they had already said or done. How difficult these situations truly are and yet how common they seem to be. And while we like to say that things work differently in the church among Christians, it can be common here as well. The way that we treat other people, the way that we treat even other Christians, it may not look all that different than what we see in the wider world. Philemon had every legal right to do just about anything he wanted to do against Onesimus, including putting him to death. And when we are wronged in some way, whether it's something big or even something small, we often feel like we are justified in making the other person pay in any way that we see fit. Everything from saying angry words in retaliation or cutting them down to size a bit or finding a way to get back at them or to punish them or maybe just even cutting them out of our lives entirely. It's my right we tell ourselves, because of what they did to me. But you see, that's not what Paul says. Paul's letter to Philemon isn't just an example of a church leader long ago settling some dispute between people. Otherwise, if it were just that, I don't think it would be in the Bible. No, Paul's letter to Philemon demonstrates to us the very gospel of Jesus Christ and the profound implications that the gospel has in our lives in return. Paul's appeal to Philemon is rooted in the gospel itself. Just the way that, that Paul intercedes on behalf of Onesimus would have reminded Philemon of all that Christ had done for him. Paul is calling himself a prisoner for Christ Jesus because he was, quite literally, but also because he considered himself to be the lowest of the low. Paul considered himself a servant and a slave for the gospel, as well as a slave and a servant to all those he ministered to. 
And so now here Paul was pleading, interceding on behalf of Onesimus, who did owe Philemon a huge debt and had done considerable damage against him. And although Paul had every right to demand Philemon's obedience, instead he is offering himself on behalf of Onesimus to take his place, to pay his debt, so that the two of them could be reconciled. With one another, and not just reconciled so that everything could go back to the way things were, but reconciled into a brand new relationship in Christ, no longer as slave and master, but rather as beloved brothers in the faith. Do Paul's actions and words remind you of someone? People often point out that Paul doesn't mention Jesus' death and resurrection in this epistle, which would be the only time he doesn't do so. But you see, Paul doesn't need to. He is embodying the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was reaching out with Philemon on one side and Onesimus on the other. He was reaching out both arms between two brothers in the faith, in the faith just as Jesus did from the cross. And he was facilitating the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation we enjoy in Christ Paul was acting in the stead of Jesus for both Philemon and Onesimus. Remember, it was Jesus who had become a servant and a slave for us by becoming one of us, by becoming the lowest of the low for us. And Jesus was the one who intercedes on our behalf with God the Father, whose anger was rightly kindled against us because of our sin and our rebellion. But it was Jesus who took our place on the cross and paid our debt so that now we are reconciled with God. And what's more, we are also reconciled with one another. But not for things just to go back to the way things were, the way that the, the, the world would have our relationships be, but rather we are reconciled with one another into brand new relationships as beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, on account of Jesus, everything has changed. The world demands getting even, getting what you deserve, getting justice. But with God, we have been shown abundant forgiveness and grace through his son, Jesus. And how can we not show that same abundant grace and forgiveness towards others? Not only towards those who have sinned so severely against us and done us wrong, but especially to those who have sinned so severely against us and done us wrong, because that's what Christ has done for us. We don't demand to get what we deserve from others, because thanks be to God, he did not demand what he deserved from us. And you see, that has made an eternity of difference for us. Paul told Philemon to receive Onesimus as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And Paul says this because that is what Jesus says to us. We receive our brothers and sisters in the faith as we would receive Jesus himself. And if they have wronged us, or if we have wronged them, Jesus has already charged it to his account. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at this forgiveness thing. It doesn't mean that choosing forgiveness is easy, and it is a choice. And it can often be a very difficult 
choice. Perhaps it's a choice we have to work at in our lives. Perhaps it's a choice we have to ask God for his help, and he will help. But this is what we choose to do. This is what we live in, the forgiveness we have in Christ each and every day. Well, back to Philemon, many people ask, well, what did Philemon end up choosing to do? Did he forgive Onesimus or not? Well, the ending to the story is obviously not included in the letter that Paul sent to Philemon. There's no epilogue. There's no postscript there. But we do have some pretty substantial clues as to what happened next. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, which, if you remember, is the place where both Philemon and Onesimus were from, Paul tells the church in Colossae, I have sent to you Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. And this seems to indicate that Paul had, in fact, received Onesimus back from Philemon so that Onesimus could indeed be used by Paul during his ministry from prison. Another clue uh, simply comes from asking the question, would Paul's letter have made it into the Bible if when Philemon received that letter from Paul, Philemon became so angry and he rejected Paul's words and he just crumpled up the letter and tossed it away? You see, by this, the very fact that this letter survived and was incorporated into the Bible as scripture, it seems to indicate that Philemon as well as the early Christian church, preserved that letter from an apostle of Christ as the very word of God. They continue to read it and learn from it, just as we're doing today. And there's also one last clue. It seems more than coincidental, at least to me, that many years later, after Paul's death, that there was this wise and elderly man, whose name was Onesimus, who was asked to become bishop become the leader of the Christian church in the nearby city of Ephesus. And so this Onesimus faithfully led the church and was known for ministering to those who were in need, and he eventually laid down his life as a Christian martyr. You see, Onesimus, who was once a pagan and runaway slave of Philemon, had become a slave of Jesus Christ, just like Paul. And he offered himself in useful service to Paul's ministry and to the, the greater ministry of the church and in service, no doubt, to many people who had been just like him as a slave. None of which would have happened had Philemon chosen to hold a grudge against him. None of which would have happened had the two of them not been willing to receive the ministry of reconciliation that we as Christians have. In Jesus Christ. So today we give thanks for the Apostle Paul and for Philemon and for Onesimus, but most importantly we give thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown both to you and to me his undeserved forgiveness and grace so that we then may go out and show that same undeserved forgiveness and grace to others. And who knows what the Lord will be able to accomplish through us and what impact that will have on the world around us. After all, who would have expected that 2,000 years later, we would still be talking about the impact of two people who chose to live in the reconciliation 
that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.